Well, today uh, I just want to share a three-hour message with you. Um, I think that's what you said I got. I think yeah, that's... Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, might, I might be a little less. might be a little less. So I uh, want to share a message with you called Changing the Narrative. And uh, a number of years ago, I, um, I, I was uh, listening to a song by a group called FFH. And in... Uh, the year 2000, anyone remember that way back in the year 2000? Y2K, like the whole world was going to end uh, back in the day. Uh, the song by FFH, Far From Home, uh, was called Daniel. And the lyric of this song said, I want to be like Daniel in the lion's den, waiting for God's love to save him. I want to be, I want to be. I want to be like Moses when he raised his hand and all the winds and seas obeyed him. I want to be, I want to be. And I would think, do I? Do I want to be like Daniel in the lion's den? Like, how many said, sign me up? <laughs> Throw me in there. Or have you ever thought, it'd be really cool to watch Moses and the water. Like, I mean, you probably all have seen, like, those old the movies and maybe Prince of Egypt or whatever, and the water all parts, and it's all, like, powerful and glorious and all that. But imagine doing that with an Egyptian army bearing down on you. And your people saying, we don't think you're the right leader for the job. With all the people coming at you. I don't know if we'd sign up for that. But there's no doubt that when we read biblical stories, and we can often think, wow, what would it have, like, what would it have been like to be there? To be used of God like Moses and, and see the miracles take place. Or to call down fire from heaven like Elijah. To see Goliath fall before David, or to feed a multitude with a few loaves and small fish like the disciples. I mean, we have a whole chapter, Hebrews 11, which is a whole chapter dedicated to these heroes of the faith, who saw God's power at work, who were used of God in powerful ways, and, 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 and wow, to be like them would really be something. How many would think that? I mean, what, what spiritual hero, if you were to read through Hebrews 11, what spiritual hero would you be? Oh, you know, I got my Moses t-shirt on. Like, I want to be like Moses. Or Joseph, perhaps. Or Rahab. Or Gideon. Or maybe even the Apostle Paul, who wouldn't be listed in that, but a hero nonetheless in the faith. Maybe others here would just say, if I'm going to be a hero, I'm going to be Batman. You know, Batman did have a favorite scripture passage. Probably be like those, those psalms that, that are like, destroy them, Lord. Like those imprecatory psalms, you know? <laughs> like, have vengeance on my enemies. You know, like that would be kind of kind of those kind of pinned up on his bat cave wall. I don't know. But it's interesting to consider that if we were there, if that was us, what would the story of our lives tell? What would the narrative be? Would we be a hero of the faith? used mightily for God, or would we, well, maybe not be such a hero? Maybe the opposite. A few years ago, I was driving my truck uh, in Swift Current when I was pastoring there, and, and I felt in this moment the Holy Spirit kind of asked me a question. said, Paul, if you were one of the 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan, would you be one of the two that came back with a positive report and said, let's see what God can do? Or would you be one of the ten who said, uh-oh, there's giants in the land. We can't possibly take it. 
Would you see through, through the eyes of faith or would you see through the eyes of fear? Who would you be, Paul? And I would tell you today that I didn't like that question. Because tell you the truth, I would, I would really like to think I'm one of the two. I'm a Joshua or a Caleb. I'm, I'm like, I'm all in. Let's go, God. Woo! And, and yet at the same rate, I think too often I'm probably, if I'm honest with myself, I'm probably one of the ten. Seeing the limitations, seeing the impossibilities. But here's the thing. We don't live then. We, we, we live today, and so the question I have for you is, is what is the narrative of your life today? What will be your story in this moment, in this now, in 2021? Now, you might say, well, oh, you know, Pastor, I was having a really great morning until you, you asked that question. <laughs> I, I, everything, you know, I was enjoying the baby dedication. I was looking forward to a nice, nice uh, you know, nice message. Get me off for the football game, please, because I, I just want to go off on a high. Like, let's just go off. And, and my team doesn't play till tomorrow, but I didn't, I should have maybe wore, I do have a rider shirt I could have wore, but. Why do we struggle with that thought? Well, in a word, fear. You see, on one hand, it's really exciting to think of ourselves being used mightily of God, but, but it's also terrifying, isn't it? Isn't it also terrifying when, when, when God asks us to do something, when God asks us to step out of the boat, when God asks us to move, when God asks us to do or to speak or whatever it is, it can be terrifying because we look at it and we think, there's no possible way that I can do that. I'm not qualified. I, I don't have the skills. What, what if I make a mistake? Well, I want to give you some thoughts here today. Uh, just run a few here for us. And the first is this. If you ever felt that God can't use you, friends, you're in good company. You've ever felt that God can't use you, you're in good company. Consider this. Moses. I'm not sure if I got a slide on that one. Moses, I've, I've seen the misery of, of, of my people in Egypt. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing of milk and honey. And Moses is like, God, yes, amen. I've been praying for that. That is so good. Oh, yeah, like, let's let, let, let it happen. Let it be. And, and, and guess what, Moses? And he's like, what, God? I'm sending you. What? Now, can you just imagine that moment? Just put yourself there. Moses' eyes went from, from, from joy to terror. And suddenly his, his mouth drops and suddenly he begins to, to, to stammer. Well, who, who, who am I that, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And, or, or, or what if they don't believe me or listen to me? Or, or you know, God, I, I've, I've, obviously I've never been eloquent. Uh, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Pardon your servant, God, but just please send someone else. Or Gideon, hiding out from the Midianites who subjugated the, the, the Israelites. And, and, and so God says, hey, guess what, Gideon? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he thinks, well, what kind of greeting is this? Like, mighty who? If all this is true, if God's with us, why are all these bad things happening? And he says, pardon me, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, I'm the least in my family. And God just says, go in the strength you have. I'm sending you. 
How about Jeremiah? Hey, Jeremiah, guess what? I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah, what does he say? He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you, I, 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 I don't know how to speak. I, and oh, by the way, I'm too young. Or, or King Saul. Oh, that's not a very good example, is it? But nonetheless, he's called to be Israel's first king. And what does he say? Am I not a Benjamite? The smallest tribe in Israel? Am I not the least of the clans in all the tribe of Benjamin? Or, or let's move it to the New Testament today. You know, Jesus, it's really late. We're really tired. We had a good day of ministry. But this crowd of people, like, this is just, we're, we're done. We just need some downtime. Would you just send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside? And go and, 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 and buy food, something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend all that much on bread and give it to them to eat? If you've ever felt that God can't use you, you're in good company. You're among many individuals who have had the same objections, who have, who have looked at, at, the, at, at what they don't have, and looked at all their limitations. But I want to tell you this today, that just as you're not alone in, in that experience, you're also not alone in what God calls you to do, because He says He will always be with you. God will always be be with us. God promises with each of these individuals, each of these people that had issues here, he says, I will be with you. Hey, Moses, I will be with you. Don't worry about it, Moses. I've called you to it, but I'm going to go with you. You're not going alone. Or Gideon, I've I've asked you to go, but I'm going to go with you. You're going to win. You're going to strike down the Midianites. Jeremiah, don't be afraid of them. I'm going to be with you and we'll rescue you. Even Saul was affirmed. Samuel says to him, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Saul, God's with you. The disciples feeding a multitude, well, Jesus was right there. Right there. He's with us. So what about you? What about me? What about us today? God calls you to something, and, and the first thing we say, well, well Lord, you don't understand. I, I'm not a trained professional. I didn't go to Bible school. I can't speak. I'm not qualified. I can tell you right now, I certainly have felt unqualified. I uh, grew up a farm kid in Alberta, third of four kids. My older two siblings had all their friends, and, and, and what my brother, you know, always with a pack of buddies and doing stuff, and I'm like just like, hey, guys, come with me. I'm going to show you something. Okay, we'll go your way. <laughs> I'm not a leader. I'm not a, I'm not a, like, you know, I'm not as confident as my brother. All these things, all these reasons why God can't possibly use me. And then God one day says, hey, do you want to be district superintendent? Picks you up and throws you in the deep end. Okay, here we go. Sink or swim. Or my grandfather. My grandfather was a farmer, but he was filled with the Spirit of God. And I, and I can tell you right now, the only reason I'm a pastor in many ways is because my grandfather spoke calling in my life. He said, Paul, God's called you to be a pastor. And I thought, okay, well, Grandpa's half deaf, so I'm one of the few grandkids that can actually understand, he can understand, that he can hear, so he figures I could probably preach. 
maybe. But my grandfather, I mean, he could have, I mean, he, I mean, he's kind of overseeing this legacy of farming, right? And if I don't take the farm, then who is going to take the farm? But he doesn't say, Paul, you're going to be a farmer and, and you need to keep this legacy. He says, Paul, God's called you to be a pastor. He spoke calling into my life. Not only that, but on a Sunday morning, pastor would ask for testimonies and he'd stand up and he'd just give a, a sometimes as simple as, I'm just glad that God has saved me. I mean, he had some crazy experiences. I mean, the year, age of five, uh, he was born in 1907. At the age of five, he was born in Sweden, and so his family was immigrating to Canada. My great-grandfather was already in uh, the Matisco, Alberta area, and eventually moved off to Amisk, Alberta area. But, but as they were, as they were going go to go uh, to, to immigrate to Canada, they were, they, were, they were looking to get tickets on this little ship called the Titanic. And they went to the gate, my great-grandmother and my grandfather and his few of his siblings said, sorry, we have no more room. You have to take another ship. Even then, he got on this other ship and he nearly went off the railing. Some stranger caught him. He'd experienced the goodness of God. He experienced the provision of God, and, and, and God's anointing was on him. He would pray for people on a Sunday morning. He didn't know much how to pray, and he, he wrote up this testimonial book. Well, actually, my sister did because he didn't know how to type, but my sister typed it up, and it would talk about these stories of great healings that he personally experienced or just simply praying the name of Jesus over a lady and seeing her healed. He was just willing enough to say, God, if you can use me, use me. He didn't have that training, the skill set. He just was willing. You're not alone. You're in good company. The second thing I want to tell you today is this. God will never ask you for what you don't have. This, this is important because we often operate on the idea that God asks us for more than we can have or, or as Trudeau would say, more than we can give. Now it's not the time for political jokes, is it? <laughs> Don't talk about Trudeau in church. Okay. <laughs> God, asks, God will never ask us for more than we have or more than we can give. Moses, what does he say to Moses here? When he calls Moses to this great task, what does he say to Moses? Moses, what's in your hand? Moses, not, not I want you to go and take a leadership training course or something like that. He just simply says to Moses, Moses, I've called you to it. I'm going to be with you. Moses says, I can't possibly do it. And God says, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? What is it that you have? Well, it's a staff. Okay, throw it down. Becomes a serpent. And and God says, look, I'm I'm going to pour out my power through you. Or Gideon. Gideon, I've called you to to, to set the people of Israel free to fight Midian and, and, and go in the strength that you have. And so Gideon, what does he do? He rallies 30,000 troops and they all get together and God says, that looks like a great group of guys. And Gideon's like, thanks, I know. Uh, We're still way outnumbered. And God's like, you don't know the half of it. You have far too many troops for me to rescue Israel from captivity. So we're going to do a little, little game here called Whittle Down the Troops. And God eventually brings him down to, from 30,000 down to like, by like 10,000% down to 300. 
says, yeah, that should do it. Go. And Gideon's like, seriously? Seriously? Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet. Well, I can't. I'm too young. Jeremiah, just stand and speak. I put my words in your mouth. Or the disciples sitting there with all the excuses of not enough money. And, you know, Jesus, you asked us to feed this multitude. We can't possibly. We don't have a half year's wages. Like, what are you thinking? Like, Judah, how, Judas, how much, how much money do we have in the money person? He's like, well, after I kind of took a little for myself, we don't have very much left. So what does Jesus ask him? He doesn't ask him for half year's wages. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. What, just give me what you have. You see, here's the thing, church. We tend to despise our weaknesses. We tend, we tend to cringe at our lack. We, we look at it and we say, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. But it's these very things, these very reasons that God chooses to use us. It is these very things that makes us useful in God's hands. In fact, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, he says brothers and sisters, think of what you were. I'm not sure things are a little weird on that slide for me, but uh, I'm going to read it from whatever this says. So, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many were of wise and of, by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. I guess some of it was there. God chose. God, cho God chooses us. In all of our glorious weaknesses, He chooses us. It's, it's our weaknesses that cause us to be so reliant on Jesus that, he, that it, is, it is in that that he, he, he takes pleasure in using us because it's in our weaknesses that His strength is revealed. That God's glory is revealed. If you feel like you're not enough today, guess what? You will never be enough. You'll, you'll never hit this, this veteran status where it says, okay, God says, I, you obviously don't need my help anymore. You are, now, you are now the guy. Congratulations. Merit badge earned. It'll never happen. Because just when you think you've got a handle on it, what does God do? He says, by the way, there's a deeper end to the deep end. Here you go. And he plunks you in. And he places you in, in situations where you have to rely on him. And here's the beauty of it. Our little, the little that we can offer, the little that we have is more than enough in the hands of Jesus. Your little, whatever it is that you have in your hand, whatever it is that you have in your life is more than enough with Jesus. Now, I, I could stop the message right here and we could all go home, but, but there is one thing, and I wish I didn't even have to give this point, but I think it's important for us as we, as we say, God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to, to pour out my life, and we get all excited to serve Jesus. Sometimes, though, there are things that happen in our lives, in our situations, when we say yes to God, that, that, that can be incredibly discouraging to us. And I don't think that, that it'd be fair if we walked away without talking about it. And that is, beware of sabotage. Beware of sabotage. External criticism and internal snares. Now, now let me deal with the external first. We might call this friendly fire, um, 
But, but there are people who, upon when, when we walk in obedience to God's call, we will face opposition at times from sources that we don't expect. When we say yes to God's call and we're all excited, sometimes there are people in our lives, even close people in our lives, who will unfortunately criticize and hurt us and rob us of the joy of serving Jesus. The first example I would give you is, is, is that of David and Goliath. David uh, had no expectations the day he showed up in the, in the, Philist- in the Israelite camp and, and they're squared off for like 40 days against the Philistines. And, and he had no expectation that day that he, that he was going to be fighting a giant. He was just delivering groceries. But there he is and he sees Goliath come out and shout his uh, you know, offenses against the Israelites and against their God and David's uh, ire gets up a bit. And there must have been something shining in his eyes because his brother looks at him and thinks, you little snot. Like, what is it that you are doing here? What is it? You know, Eliab, his older brother, says, you know, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You only came down to watch the battle. What battle? They were sitting there hiding in their holes every day. There was nothing going on. But David was criticized by a brother. Or example two, Gideon. After this great victory with 300 men and, and, and all of Israel is liberated and you'd think everybody would be happy except for the people that felt like they were left out. They were snubbed. So some of the fe- fellow Israelites say to him, why didn't you call us to fight Midian with you? Why have you treated us like this? You see, Friends, not everyone will celebrate your victory. Not everyone will celebrate your faith and your boldness. Some people will, will, will criticize you, and often we're criticized by those doing, unfortunately, doing the least. So we feel a little shamed in our own selves. When I'm not doing, when I'm not pulling my own share in the sense of even in my, even in my home life, like, I can get, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling it against myself, so I'm, but it's coming out of my mouth against others. The second trap is internal. King Saul, he didn't want to be king at first, did he? He saw, called you to be king, and he's like, yeah, just one sec, I've got to go check to see if I've lost something in the luggage. I'm just going to go over. And he hides in the luggage. Biggest guy, tallest guy, hiding among the baggage. But God calls him to be king, and the people are all celebrating, and they're all happy. We got a king finally. Let's party on. And Saul was really insecure. But guess what? God's gracious and gives him a few victories. And he wins a few battles, and, and he gets some respect. And, 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 and guess what? Something changes. There's an internal issue that begins to develop. You see, after disobeying God's commands and, and how he was to, to wrap up this one battle, Samuel got up and he went to meet with Saul. And he's looking for Saul, can't find Saul. And then he's told that Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. He's disobeyed God and he's tooting his own horn. There's external traps there's internal traps. When we commit ourselves to being used of God, sometimes these things happen. We have to be aware of it. So why do we do it? I'll wrap up with this point here. 
Why do we serve God? We, we do it all for the audience of one. We do it all for the audience of one. This is not a mantra of be true to yourself. This is not a do what makes you happy kind of a statement. Just, just uh, you know, do it all for the audience of one. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I did that for my own glory. This is not a King Saul moment. This is about keeping our eyes on Jesus and living to please him first. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us a story of, of the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. Of a master going away, and while he's away, he entrusts to three of his servants, I'm gonna, I give you five bags of gold, I give you two bags of gold, I give you one bag of gold, and he gives them all to them according to their own ability. I guess I didn't put that up there for you. And he, went, and he went on his journey, and the man who received five bags of gold went once, put the money to work, gained five more. The one, the one who received two went at work at once and, and made two more. And the one who had one, well, he thought, I better not blow it. I only got one here. I don't have a lot of risk factors, so I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to bury it in the ground. And when the master comes, and will be so impressed that I kept his money safe for him. Master was not so impressed as you read the story. See, the master returns, and he returns for an accounting. And the one who had five and said, look, master, I, received, I, I, I gained you five more. And he says, come and share in your master's happiness. The one who had two said, I received two more. I, come and share in your master's happiness. The one who received one said, well, yeah, I, I kind of I buried it. and Well, he was not as much rewarded. I don't want to get into the weeds too much on that story. But I just want to make a, a note here that these servants were not using or not using their gold because they were trying to outdo each other. They weren't trying to, to, to get the most prestigious merit award in the eyes of their, their fellow servant class or whatever. All that they were doing, everything that they were trying to accomplish, they were doing because they knew that their master would return. They were doing it for the audience of one. And what I love about the story is that, is that when the master does come back and he says, wow, you, you doubled your money, you know, uh, why don't you take the other five there? Just give me the, the five I owed and, and just go throw yourself a nice party and just, just blow your own horn here and just celebrate yourself. That's not what the master does at all. What does he do? He says, come and share in your master's happiness. In other words, I'm sure that the master had far more gold than these servants had in even what they earned. And their reward wasn't even in this immediate sense of their monies. It was come and share your master's happiness. There's so much more that our master has for us. See, this is the great invitation. All that we do in this life, all that we serve and all that we do, we do it for a heavenly reward that, reward that will never fail or perish. And it's going to be much more than we could ever earn on this earth. We do it all for the audience of one. A number of years ago, I read a story, pastor of a mega church, talking to one of his congregants and said, you know, I have to admit, like, I meet congregational members, but we have so many members, I, I never know, you know, if I've met that person three times or one time or four, you know, whatever it is, so he meets this person and says, oh, you know, chatting, remind me, what do you do again? And this person said, well, pastor, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a heavy machine operator. 
And he just, just stopped him right there to think, what a wonderful perspective. This person had a job, this person had an occupation, this person had work, and, and we define ourselves by that, but her first definition of herself was, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and everything I do flows out of that. In my workplace, it flows out of that. Which brings us again to this, what is in your hand? Friends, what has God put in your lives? What has God given you, uniquely you, what is it that God's placed in your life for, to be used for his glory? Are you, are you quick to discount it? Are you fearful to use it? Do you feel inadequate? Do you feel like that you're inadequate? Do you feel like Moses or Gideon or others that, that would say, God, you can't possibly use me because... Do you know that God has given to you today according to your ability... And that God doesn't ask you for what you don't have. He asks you just to give back to him what he's given you. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What, how many loaves do you have? Go in the strength that you have. So are you an encourager? Maybe, maybe you have people that just like talking to you. And, and, and you just find that you, you're just thinking of people. And you, you just have an ability to, to connect with people. Well, then use that for God's glory. Speak life into others. Share encouragement and, and joy with people. Maybe, maybe you're gifted monetarily. God has blessed you in different ways. How are you using it for God's glory? Or, or maybe you are a, a person that is just burdened to pray and intercede for others. Or, or maybe you can bake. Or maybe you can fix stuff. Or maybe you can sing. Or maybe God's calling you as he did me, saying, Paul, God's called you to be a pastor someday. But, 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 no, 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 but here. What is in your hand? What has God given you? Let's pray together. Father, I want the narrative of my life to be one that is, is, is not about me, not about all the things that I have that you're so blessed to have me and use me and, and, and be glorified in me because of, of all my list of things. But God, I want the narrative of my life to be Jesus is first. And Jesus has given me everything and Jesus be glorified in and through me. Make much out of my little. Lord, I pray today for these friends in this room here today. Lord, for those that have, those that have, have looked at their, their lives and their situations and felt, God, you can't possibly use me, so I've said, I've said no, and I've kind of been like that, that one that's buried the talent in the ground, buried the bag of gold in the ground, and and just assume that you can't possibly use it because somehow I'm unique to every other individual in all creation here. You can't possibly use me. Lord, would you forgive us? Because we've all done it. Would you forgive us when we've done that? Would you forgive us when we buried it and when we've, we, when we've resisted and we've said no and we've, we've walked a different path? Would you forgive us for that? And Lord, instead, would you help us to just be crazy enough 
to say yes to you and to just, to just give you our little and just see you do something through it that we just did not expect. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. Lord, all around this room, we commit ourselves to you. We say, Jesus, I give it to you. I give you my wealth. I give you my time. I give you my, my calendar, my, you know, all the, all the abilities that you've given me, whether it's, whether it's uh, to serve or whether it's to sing or whether it's to go or whether it's to, whatever it is, God, my work, I give it all to you. And I say, God, would you use me? Would you use me in my home life to reflect you? Would you use me in my workplace? Would you use me in my school? God, wherever it is, God, we want to be used of you. Thank you that you chose us in our weaknesses. You chose us specifically for your purposes. And you will be with us. So we give back to you what you've given to us. And bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.